Good morning. So this week we hope to start the Tfilah series at Night Seder, as we announced last night in Passaic, for those of you zooming in from out of state or out of block. And uh, it'll probably be Tuesday. If I don't get to it, it'll be the following Monday, but we have about a year and a half left of the Lifna Iver, and at least you know what to look out for now. The last year and a half of Sugyim doesn't mean we finished everything, but the tefillah will be hopefully very thorough and informative, both for the Sugyas and the Ashkafa and the Chizik. So that'll be Monday night at 9 o'clock. And right now we're in Paragyadalid, Pasuk Ches, last week, Shimshon had run into a lion. That's not a great expression. Run into sounds like it was happenstance and nothing is happenstance. It's designed, as everything is, by Kosh to either test us, send us a message. In terms of the test, see our resolve. The message is either a warning, warning to stop, or warning to be careful, to be extra careful. The challenge in life is to try to figure out without running into Isurim of Los Anachashu when it's a simon to stop and when it's a simon that what you're doing is Gavaldic and Hashem just allows the Sutton to try to stop you. You can have the same exact thing. You can have two opposite simonim and you can have something in between where the derech is good but fraught with danger and be extra careful. So of the three, which are all three possibilities, the one over here most likely is the middle one, per the Chazals, that we're going to see. And that is, question whether Shimshon knew that, but you can't say the derech was incorrect because the Pasuk weighs in. His parents didn't know why he wanted to marry this plishti young lady. And the Pasuk says clearly, and as he's going around the Kerem, he avoids the vineyard like a Nazir would avoid a vineyard. can't think of any other expression. I would say like the plague, but it's not a plague. It's just bad for a Nazir. And he goes around. Parents aren't there, and the lion comes, and he rips it apart like you'd rip apart a lamb, or like somebody would rip apart a lamb in the free of the Gadaris. And the Nes Niglem sees the Kayach of Baruch Hu. So the first simon is, you see what he has, and he again sees what he feels, the simon that he's supposed to do that to the plishnim on occasion, which he will. That's the good news. The other news is that it's pretty frightening that he's on his way to do a mitzvah, and he's in the midst of trying to put together this shidduch so he can get involved with them in order to try to scare them and get them very nervous, which he will accomplish. Oh, sure. A mitzvah to save Klai an unbelievable mitzvah. He's trying to protect Klai as a one-man army. You want to call the Heksha mitzvah? Is that, getting married Stam is a Heksha mitzvah. I mean, we call it Yael also save Klai but we don't call it a mitzvah. We sure do. No, that's the classic example of a mitzvah that Svir Devar Vera was embedded in, and we don't call it a mitzvah Baba Vera. We call it a mitzvah. 
Uh, you, you call that also Avera Lashma means a mitzvah. You got the impression Avera Lashma means it was an Avera, just the saving grace was Lashma. That's, uh, that's only a quarter of the story. It, it's, it was a mitzvah rabba. She saved clients, so she wasn't saving clients. Very unusual, and we're still having trouble explaining it out of Yemazeb, but nobody's mafakvik on the fact that it was a mitzvah rabba. And here it's even better. There you have Chazals trying to interpret what the Mahalach was and why it's mutter, but there's no Chazal disagrees that she did a mitzvah rabba. And over here it's a pasuk. The pasuk says his parents are mitzvah, and the pasuk weighs in. They didn't know Meshem Yisadaver. So yeah, this is uh, not only a mitzvah; it's his calling. It's his Berches Yakavinu, which we lane just yesterday. Talked about only one thing in the whole bracha for Shevet Dan, and that's Shimshon. Yeah. If he were to consult, let's say he were to consult with uh, Hashem. Go straight to the top. What? I'm saying, if he consulted with the Saktin, like, would they have said, and he said, this is my Tashkin, I think, whatever. So, like, they wouldn't have said that it's a mitzvah. They, without a Pusik, without a Pusik, without causing over a Parish without a Messiah, and without an Avua, they would have said it's Usr. But he already had the information, he had the Avua, and he felt it. Pem Ruchai is that he felt the Shechina. And Pashapshad, this lion is here to be ripped apart to show that he can really do this. That is the Pashapshad. Uh, we're not trying to know that. He's on his way to save Kleisol. That's a tremendous mitzvah rabba. As we would say, don't try this at home. It's uh, not, uh, but if, you're, if your mother got an Avua, this was a real Malach, they realized after a while. And with a real message, and the message was, he's an Azami Bata, not because we try to raise Heilig Yidin, which we do. This was a unique thing. This isn't just he's going to be the best Bacha Yeshiva. He had a very unique job. The most difficult thing about this parak, which is why we're trying to do it thoroughly, is to understand just how difficult this job is. I can't say it's impossible, but he was, he got the Ladar, and on his Madrega, things were done wrong enough to, can't say, stop him from accomplishing, because he accomplished a lot. And the Pasuk is made, the Plishtim were scared of him during his lifetime, and even more after his lifetime. So he definitely accomplished to take some of the heat and take away the potential damage of what the Plishtim were doing, and save a lot of lives. He also got killed in the process, and he went to Olam Haba because he had his kapara for whatever he did wrong, which we're going to spend a long time figuring out what that even was. When you're against a Pusik that gives you a Hesher temple, you have a lot of figuring out to do to understand why things did go wrong. And we're going to, when the process of doing it, we're going to attempt to do it more. So but it's a mitzvah rabba, to answer your question. That's something where it's not Shriya Chazeka. This is extreme Shriya Chazeka. Right. But I'm saying that, but I'm saying what the premise of the question is, like why, you were saying, like why is it that he's meeting up yeah, without understanding it's, that, that it's in order to show him something? It is showing something. Yes, and that's the question I'm raising. So I'm saying, so like, the idea of Shulchan Mitzvah, so... doesn't apply for you. even to a situation like this, where he's, it's not, it's not technically... Ask the other way. Shulchan Mitzvah doesn't extend to him, as the Gemara says, Malcolm Shulchan Mitzvah, it doesn't work. So you can't, you're asking, Mechdes is Shulchan Mitzvah. It's not Pashat, he's a Shulchan Mitzvah, he's saving Klaistral, but the regular rules don't operate, but nothing operates in the regular rules in this period. So, once it's, and it's Shriya Chazeka, if it's a lion walking around, the question is, why is there a lion walking around? They're not natural to your average vineyard in the middle of Eretz uh, Yisrael. That's the, the question is the other way. So, good news is, again, it's to show him his strength. He rips it apart seamlessly, 
and continues walking, doesn't mention a thing. As we spoke about last week, typical Anivus, even in the face of possible nachas to his parents, that was a Kiddush, and he just goes right there. And he realizes a nice because he comes back today, this week, to make a bracha, and he recognizes the godless of it. I just sort of put in, so once he took care of the Pashup shot, that it was to show him his strength, there is a slight remez that you're walking into a lion's den and you've got to be careful. That still doesn't mean he's doing anything wrong because the most difficult part of this parak, which we're not going to do justice to all day now, is like, what was the alternative? So the answer is, the mission is to get involved with the police in a way where they think he's a renegade, and maybe some Jews think he's a renegade, most of you thought and understood that this is a plot to get them under the circumstance. He's only one person, and no matter what you do, they're going to attack somewhere else unless they're so scared of you because they think you're out of control. And he was a Dayan. He was the Shefet to Klai Yisrael. He to learn, and he had their respect, and he was a Shefet of, and he was a Tzad. Everybody understood that. His parents didn't fully understand the plan, and I'll tell you something that we're going to see later on. The whole Shevet Yehuda, the leading Shevet, when the Plishtim really lose it and demand his arrest, they're not sure what to do. So why are they not sure what to do? They don't know the plan? No, they, they know there's a plan. They just says, Lamaisa, right now, I've got plans from here to next year. What do we do? They're Plishtim out there. We look out the window, and there are 10,000 of them. What do we do? That's going to come up soon. And Shimshin calmly says, no problem, just do I have your promise you're not going to touch me? You don't want to have to start killing them to defend themselves. He said, no, I'm not just handing you over. He said, that's great. So he hands them over, and he's going to be all bound up, which means nothing to him at that point. And then when he gets there, it's going to be an opportunity to break out and kill some more. So no one at any point really exactly knows what's coming, and that's the way it's supposed to be. Yes? Yeah. And, and there is no... There's no negative connotation. That's a, that's a good point. What was the, point the, of the point of that was when way later they come upon a huge, mean-looking Russia who's terrorizing Klai Israel by the name of Gullius, and he does it for days on end, like 40 and Shaul, who's the big hero fighting the Plishtim, is paralyzed because of his lack of siyat at that point. And nobody wanted to go fight because it was a one-time deal, one-on-one. And like any deal we make with Palestinians, if we lose, we're there of Adam. And if they lose, they figure it out later. We're not exactly sure what happened afterwards because they lost. But <laughs> that's just historically symbolic. They ran away, I guess, temporarily, but they came back. So this is to give the... So, and it wasn't right before. It was way before. And he David Malach remembered. He made a coat out of it to remind himself all the time. And he showed it. And he showed up in Shalomel's office. Shalomel looks at a young man who had not one scar and clearly had no battle experience and was not physically stronger than anybody else who didn't volunteer. And he says, what's Yahavim in So he says, a good question, Your Highness, and I don't think it's much Yahavim in it either. However... You see this? I have a story to tell you. The Kiddush is, shall believe the story. The answer is, David was a tzaddik and say something with uh, sincere expression. And uh, it was true. So he said, okay, go fight. 
they put in his armor, had an ace, he grew into the armor, Shaul's much taller. That was the beginning of the end of the relationship. Shaul saw the lack of Siat he was having and that somebody's going to take over. The only mistake, big mistake, Shaul made, but that was part of the Einish, is that David was going to take over, but he wasn't trying to take over. And there's a big difference between the two. As we explained the length, we go back at the uh, Shirim from uh, years ago. But that's an interesting contrast. We only have two of them in history, so that's the, that's the other one. And there was no negative connotation at all. Uh, maybe somebody today would say, how can you do that to animals? <laughs> Something like that. Never. Uh, the animals are here to uh, help us in our Vodis Hashem, needless to say. Like Karbonus, or sometimes as uh, props to show what you can do and bring out Teichus. And we don't normally go into the backyard to try to destroy animals for the sake of showing strength, because that's Sa'ab al And guess what? There are some, uh, how do I put this delicately, there are some cousins of ours, <coughs> distant cousins in the Middle East, who actually, Nebuch, such a violent uh, society, not only do they learn their textbooks, that they have to be doing these things to other people, Rahman al-Islam, and blowing themselves up. They teach them from five years old, their spare time at recess is to go into the backyard and rip apart, uh, take knives and rip apart cats and dogs. That's Sabal Chaim, besides the fact it's very destructive for your Elam Haza and your Elam Haba and stability in the Middle East. But that's a, that's a fact. But if you have to pounce on you and you rip them apart in self-defense and that's Hashem's message, that's, that's what they're doing in this world. I shouldn't even have to explain that, but that's, uh, somebody reading the story sometime very soon is going to be aghast. How can you uh, destroy? You should have just spoken to them and given them therapy or something like that. And maybe they would have uh, calmed down. Yeah, so... I didn't get to the negative connotation. So far, it's all good. Shows the strength. There is a medrash or two that comments that it was a warning sign, not necessarily to turn around, but to be very careful you're walking into a lion's den. How do you integrate to the plishtim and marry one of them without marrying one of them? We're not going to know the answer to that question. This particular lady, as we're going to find out very soon, this week or next week, can't say she's the worst of them because we don't meet too many, but she's pretty bad. With a little pressure from her townspeople, uh, she's going to basically turn them in and give away a secret. He doesn't really care at this point, but that's just give him an excuse to pick a fight, which is what he's here for. But from her side, that's not showing much fidelity to your husband if... Um, he makes a riddle, has a wager, and then they come to her and say, you better get the answer or else. And then she sides with them because she feels that she's more plushti than, than Yid. And uh, her gayrus we spoke about a few weeks ago, it was chal b'diever b'diever, and there's even some of her who suggest that part of what she started telling Shimshin in her anger was, well, I really feel more identified with them anyway, and I'm, I really wasn't my kabbal mitzvahs. At that point, we say, Dvarim shabalei v'edadvarim, because it wasn't buchach, and she, during the Sherebuch, was already lighting Adlokas Neir Shabbos, and maybe Chanukah, who was that time of year, a little bit too early in history, and Hafrashah's challah and everything else, and that's her problem. <laughs> she said, maybe it was true, but that's not the taina on Basin, just shows she's a rotten apple. So could he have done better? I don't know what the shidduch market was by the plishtim. It's hard to tell. That's the great unknown over here. What would have been the other plan? That's what's intriguing, and therefore it's really hard to come up with a direct tie on Shimshim. So again, Pashup shot is, it was an ace, and we're now going to go to Pasuk Ches. Vayashov, miyamim likachta. 
So they made the Shidduch, and the last words we had last week in Pasuk Zion were V'tishar Be'ene Shimshin, and this was good enough. What was Yashar Be'enav? Not that she was such a uh, tremendous uh, tachshit, the best girl to come back from seminary. Uh, seminary of BJJ of, Rama- BJJ of Ramallah. She didn't go to seminary. Yeah, right, right. Or, or anything before that. Uh, for that matter. So, Tisha Bene Shimshin mean, looked like she was decent enough to keep mitzvahs on some level and perfect for the job to mix with the family and uh, get to sort of know the rest of the mishpacha to pick a fight. So, it fit into the plan. He's on the way back. They used to give him a year, give or take, to get ready for the chasna. And... Talk about undercover. He's really playing the part. You would think if he has to do a job, he's going to wait the regular process. Well, there's a year, half a year. But it was a long time. He went home and then came back, miyamim, however long that was. That requires a lot of patience. This job requires a lot of patience and nerves of steel because you're acting like a Benedict Arnold to your people and then against the people you're marrying into and back and forth and you got to have nerves of steel and you got to be very patient because he doesn't want to fight with them all day and all night. He wants to pick an argument and have an erratic outburst once in a while just to keep them on their toes. The next time they think of sending a terrorist, they're going to think twice. So that's why the parak, although we're doing it relatively quickly, meaning to show the shtalshlis of the varm, there was an engagement, he's getting married, it could have been six months, he here in between, but he's patient. On the way, he stops to see this carcass of the arie. Some of the scientists here could do some research, we might get an exact timeline, if uh, you know, although it could have been an ace, how long does it take for a carcass of an arie? that's left in the field to totally disintegrate and be gone, then you'll have your timeline, unless Hashem kept it there to be able to make the bracha. Or, the second thing is that there's going to be a huge supply of honey inside this lion. The honey is a preservative. So it could be it was there because the honey was there. It could be it was a full year per the mini Gisrael, even though this is Plushti territory. So we don't know the exact amount of time, but it was still there, and he wants to go to the spot, and he sees it there, and he sees something very interesting. He sees a whole swarm of bees, a lot of good honey. Honey was expensive, and uh, today they cultivated, they probably did then, but once in a while it just appears they had wild bees with good honey. And he uh, Baltashkas over here and also understands the nace that happened, and this is like a byproduct of the nace. It's almost like a mitzvah to partake and eat some of it. Zechel and Ace, and Hashem provided it. It's a good sim in this part, the Dvash. And he takes it. We talked about the Kibbutz of Aim last week. The Kibbutz of Aim over here keeps coming up, and it's a stellar performance, not surprisingly. If you find honey, on the way, the first thing you should think of is take some and bring some home to your parents. Think of like Ruvain and the Dudan. What can you do to please your parents? It's hard for us to imagine, like, why don't you just go to Rockland Kosher or Wesley Kosher, Evergreen, and get some honey. It comes in a jar and it's $3.99. Well, maybe it's $6.99 now, whatever it costs, but get a small jar. 
And uh, like, what's the big deal? But think of the ancient time. This is expensive stuff, and they didn't have it very often. And uh, it's very special, so he's going to bring it to his parents as he eats it himself as well. Plenty there. What bracha did he make? It's not a trick question. I'm pointing that out because we normally don't make any bracha on honey because usually having it dipped into challah or the challah dipped into the honey or the honey in our oatmeal or wherever you have it. So we don't eat honey independently because we have a lot to eat. Then they had what to eat, but this was a gift and it didn't come with any crackers inside the lion. So he's eating the honey. That's a shahakal. Edible. If you do that with salt, it's a much more complicated shayla. Salt really doesn't taste very good. This tasted good. And it had some nutrients, gave you energy, and uh, very uh, tasty. And he's going to have some that it, now it's good if you can... He's walking while he's eating, by the way. Interesting. This came up last week in Shear. We've got to be the shmorg. We're talking about pusillatus, which we'll still discuss this week. That's a nice uh, side sugim. And uh, there are those who don't like the shmorg because it's an American mishagas. And why should you have hundreds of people standing and eating when you can sit down, like I mentioned, to do the suda? And whether it's good for the Jews, bad for the Jews, that's the minix. You have to be miyashi. If it doesn't possibly be laid this, it's only eating bashuk. Whether it's the best thing since um, wrapped hot dogs is a different story. Because it's a little funny, and sometimes it can cause lifneev or shaylus with brachas and things like that, and making brachas here, and not having a kazayas, and alamichia, not alamichia, and all of a sudden they call the chuppah, and people are filing out, and uh, you got to be careful about that. But it doesn't possibly be like this. Here he's walking and eating. The Pusik says that. But he's not walking. The Pusul Eidis is when you walk Bershus Arabim as you're eating the pizza and the cheese is sliding off and it's going all over the place or you're licking your ice cream cone and you're walking on Fifth Avenue and there are thousands of people around and it looks very gluttonous and just not proper. And a person like that we don't want as an aide because he doesn't think much of himself and he's not going to think twice about taking money for false aid this and just not the type of person we want in this capacity. This is out in the field. There's nobody around. So he's walking. So he's saying, so why does he cup his hands and do this? The answer is, what should he do? Put in his Tupperware, his handy Tupperware that he has in his pocket? He didn't have a pocket and they didn't invent Tupperware. And he doesn't walk around with spoons. Maybe a knife. But even that he didn't, sounds like he didn't have because he ripped the lion apart with his hands. Maybe they have a chance to get the knife. But a spoon and jars, he doesn't have. So I'm describing that. You shouldn't think this, why is he doing this? It doesn't sound neat. He's not puzzled. Ate this, obviously. Nothing wrong with this. Nobody around. So he goes like this, and he's eating it. Because baltashkas, it tastes good. It gives you a little energy, and you don't have to stop for lunch. And he can get about his business. He's going to get married. But he's going to bring some to his parents first. Yes? Nicely mitzchus. I would suggest he takes the three scoops and eats it at home or in the ice cream shop, not on Fifth Avenue. Yes, it will melt, and the pizza will go cold. But that's no reason to be walking in the Rabbin meeting. So, yes, that is why they're doing it. Got you know, only got a half hour break. Got a lot to do, but there's a certain stolz you have to have as a bentera, as expected of Yidden, that you don't walk around like that. Eating is a is that supposed to be a private affair, somewhat? They're dinim at the top. The Milcham shouldn't be drinking barabim, shouldn't be... They're dinim. So that, they're different gradations. That doesn't apply to everybody. But 
here, it's expected of everybody, Ben Terra or not, not to be eating like that, Bashok, even though, yes, it's going to melt otherwise. The other option, there's a reason why they keep the temperature down in ice cream shops, I assume, is because you can sit down there and it melts slower. So uh, they don't need you to be taking it in the street. And uh, if that's not an option, you don't have to buy it. But nice, uh, nice issue of the people that are doing it. That's practically why they are doing it. So if all Netflix was eating ice cream? Exactly, right. You're referring to the chumras uh, yeah, <laughs> you have. Um, we're not, it's not a tirade against ice cream, just uh, how you eat it and where you eat it. Pasuk test. He's walking and he's eating it. Nothing wrong. So, yeah, so the Americans here. I bavarned all that. The reason I gave such a description of where he's going with this is because I knew you were all going to ask that. Tupperware wasn't invented. No, you go. Like, I don't want to describe it but for the American finicky Americans over here, but we're really finicky Americans if we have to explain the puzzle. But I, I knew it was coming, and we're explaining it. That's why uh, nothing wrong with this. What? It's called Bittel Terror. Uh, he, he has a chance for a quick snack. He wants to keep it up aim, and he's on the way. Really, he's not supposed to be going in that direction. He's on the way to set up the things for the chasna. So you got 20 minutes, however long the walk was. He wants to bring it to his parents. He takes a little bit off to the side, and uh, you're worried about germs. Uh, honey has wonderful properties, so we're not going to get to the medicine over here. But they, th- there's a sugi here, which I will mention briefly in a moment, about what honey does to other objects it's on in terms of changing their form and their luchic status. So apparently uh, they weren't that worried about the, the germ surviving. If, uh, I'm not saying they don't do, they do. They probably weren't as worried about it. And, and there are positive medical uh, effects to that also. Certain things are built up in the body that actually make you healthy. But I'm not getting into that. So That's an old bachlikis. <laughs> it's not liquid. Honey's very thick. Raw honey? They didn't cook it out. You're buying the stuff that's already been processed, purified, and tamp- tampered with, and uh, yeah. <laughs> this is, well, yeah, this is like it did. Who's this a bit? It's honey, you know. It's, uh, good old fashioned from the time of Shimshin. We should market the stuff. Shimshin's honey. But it would, be, uh, it would be a little, what? Just has to look for the bee parts in it. Yes, yes. So uh, actually, yeah, yeah. His brother uh, um, cheated in a good way and went ahead. He already asked me a kasha last week what to do with the bee parts. So the good news is slight legs and things like that. Uh, the rush hold is, uh, we discussed this in Shear three years ago. Uh, that's mutter. And the actual body parts, stuff like that, you've got to get out. And there's a way to do it. And you can look at it and see what's going on. So he was a dying. He knew Hilchus Kashris and everything was kosher for Yosher. Uh, okay, you're forcing me to say it now. So they do discuss, for just for the sugya shabai, if you have honey not happen, happening uh, overnight, the honey beehive, the bees are busy as bees making a hive, and it takes a while, and there's a whole s- cache of, of real supply over here, and it's sitting there for a while. That's just marshmallow from the Pusik. So what they do discuss is, why is this kosher? So you'll say, why is honey kosher ever? So Gemara asks that. It comes from the real sherets. that has a lot of lavim to it, a flying sherets. One of the worst things you can eat, not that you'd want to. And basically, the, it's a kasev, but the, the science behind it is that it's not really a dover that's yetsi minatame, because the bee is just a UPS service, or FedEx, 
choose your carrier. And it takes the pollen and it moves it over here and then it basically takes it in its mouth and then spits it out in the hive. You're worried about the hands. <laughs> the way it's made, not you, I'm just saying, but the way it's made is like for the Americans, uh, some people after they hear this don't want to touch the stuff. And then they store it and then they protect it as a whole honeycomb. They build a honeycomb, the fascinating, uh, fascinating nifflis are buried there. And it doesn't really go through the system. Which, if you remember from our sugiyas with Machal Sasuris, not that many years ago, as I said, we discussed uh, what Ramesha discussed at length in the Truva, which appears in a lot of our candies, based on some other animals which are really sound more gross, uh, but they go through the system and then they excrete it and then they use it to color our candies or make them shiny, like shellac and things like that. And that's much more of a shayla, and that's not the hokol, why maybe it is mutter, why maybe it's not, and based on the whole sugya of bees, and why it's mutter and why it's usher. So that sugya actually has expanded in modern times and modern food technology, and there are a lot of things that some people ingest all the time, and they even have a heksher, uh, for the most part, uh, on things that go through or have a lot to do with uh, shratzim. And over here, the problem is as follows. The devash is mutter, per the gemara, Problem is the din of kavush that if you have something sitting in something else for a long time, it takes on the properties, and sitting in a carcass of a lion, there are two problems. A lion is a lion; it's not a behemoth terror, and it's dead, and it wasn't shechted. And if you shechted it, it wouldn't help. Sitting in a decaying lion, putting aside the health issues, why it didn't affect the honey? Apparently, it didn't. Nobody got a stomachache here, Baruch Hashem. But why isn't it treif? And that's a discussion. I might say. Shimshon held it was mutter, and there's a lot of support for why that is. But in terms of the siyamanim, the fact that something edible was extracted from a tame support system is part of the challenge and the warning. So now we have two warnings. Didn't, I'm not saying he did anything wrong, but two warnings about how dangerous and complicated this operation is. He gets attacked by a lion, deals with it very quickly with Siat Deshmaya, and now food, which is kosher, presents itself in the backdrop of what's sort of growing the food or what it's in, the medium, is Chazer Treif. And before I should point out as well, that's not a great simon, even though nobody did anything wrong. So it's an amazing amount of material beneath the surface over here as... Besides the halachas of what Dvash does do, and there are many terusim they use part of the Rishayim that hold the Dvash converts to what it's sitting on, what it's on top of, and that thing becomes kosher even if it wasn't, so it didn't have an effect over here, or it wasn't really covered for various reasons. There's a lot of raid on that point, and the fact that he's walking and he's not puzzled this because there's nobody around, it's not Rishis Rabin, and the fact that it's very becovedic to hand that to his parents, even though he should have bought a jar in case you bump into some honey as you're coming to make the bracha on the lion that's dead, which Mehechatesi, he should have known, and people didn't have jars. I mean, jars of some sort, they don't bring them along as they're going to get married. So uh, it's not their classic wedding gift or something like that to the kala. Yes? Well, I was going to mention that, but I thought that was up, and I'm glad you brought it up. You say, of course I'm Isaac Vura. Everything he does, we're not going to see any non gavurus in this parak, And this is simple compared to what he's going to do to the plishtim. But you're pointing out that, you know, uh, bees are scary. People run away. 
and that's understandable, and you can get stung. Apparently, he wasn't worried about that. <laughs> Walked right in. Yeah, I'm sure there were things buzzing around, and um, he didn't really care, because if you plan on wiping out plishtim in large-scale numbers, these are humans with spears, then bees are not going to really get you nervous. So that fits in. But I, I did notice that. Like, we'd be afraid to go near. And I, myself, and many people, uh, there's a person, uh, I have a problem with a bracha leishe besukah when those things are buzzing around. It's a really shy letation came to do. I'm not uh, screaming and yelling and then running, but I, it's, very, it's uncomfortable. You don't want to get stung. Why don't you want to get stung? It might hurt. Could be. No, I don't think it's a constipation necessarily for myself. I don't think I'm allergic. I just don't well, like them. Yeah. Yeah, there are people who have been, uh, you know, like a sadaim. They, they smeared her with honey. You know, but yeah, he walked into um, a busy beehive and he took honey. And they, yeah, it's, uh, they're all busy. Okay. But, that, but this is Shimshon, so that's the point. That's why I didn't raise it. it was, they were certainly building up a large supply. That's for sure. And he didn't really uh, get phased by it, which is not that surprising. So, the last part of the Pasuk says this, this is the second time it says it, to prove this point of the Anivus, the tremendous sterling character of Shimshon, despite the possible Kibbut of Aim gain. And it repeats, he didn't tell them where it was from. This is fascinating. They know he's going to get married. You're walking in an empty field. Honey's expensive. So usually, the supplies of honey were known to the local population. And he diverts, brings them back a nice supply. He wasn't uh, huge, we discussed. It necessarily was six foot eight with muscles. And, uh, but he probably had nice sized hands. He comes in, he brings them a nice supply. And the Pusik says he didn't tell them where he got it from. What I think is a very powerful dig. It, what it doesn't say, but it's obvious, is they didn't ask him. Now, for the Americans here, that's very, we like to, we grew up in the age of information. We're still growing up. Hopefully we'll get there one day. So uh, we would never let that pass. It says, Shimshon, wh- wh- what are you doing? Where, uh, we, we sent you to get married. What's going on over here? They didn't ask. Because if they did, and he said, I'm not telling you, that would have been a bigger Kiddush in the Pusik. It doesn't say that. He says he didn't mention it. We would be very interested. We'd be dying to say it because how often do you get to tell your parents, I ripped apart a lion and it's still there and I got, you got honey out of it. He didn't tell anything at all about what happened at the beginning and not where this is from, but then he'd have to tell him why he went back to look at the carcass of the lion. He didn't mention a thing because he's an honor. He's not interested in talking about himself. And besides the Anivas, by the way, I'll add, he's also not interested in talking about his operations. We spoke about this last night in Passaic. There are some crazy extremists, not from Anshay Shlomenu, who are so interested in having the government tell all the citizens about everything they're doing, they would want the CIA and the Secret Service to tell them before they send any spies out so that people can vote on it, and that we should know exactly where the spies are going. Now, if that sounds ludicrous, it's because it is. If it doesn't sound ludicrous, please see me afterwards. <laughs> so, obviously, that's ridiculous. So... Shimshin understands that he's undercover now for the rest of his life, as lonely as that sounds. And even from his own parents. This is an important point. This is going to come up right away in the next part of the parak. So at this point, 
there are two reasons why he didn't mention anything. He didn't mention anything because of his inborn sitkus and anivas, and it's a lot of um, fun for your ego to tell anybody that you ripped apart a lion with your hands. Certainly his parents, he can have the excuse that he's uh, given nachas, as we mentioned last week. Here, I see two amazing things. He didn't bring it up, and they didn't even ask him, even though it's a little strange. Where'd you get this supply of honey? And then he would have to say, I don't want to talk about it. It doesn't say that in the Pusik. It says, he didn't bring it up to volunteer it, which everybody would want to do, and they didn't ask him. Why didn't they ask him? It's an obvious question. The answer is, they understood at this point there could be a lot of very unusual things we'd call strange going on, and they're not going to ask because they asked once, can't find any girls there in Klai Yisrael, and he basically said, this is what I'm supposed to do, and they learned from that that they're not going to understand any of this, and therefore they're not asking it, and better they shouldn't know. That's crucial for everything that's going to unfold in the next few programs because the more they know, Shemshin's whole idea is he's a man alone, and in Eisel Pishtim, he's a renegade against the Yidden, and the first Nakama Pishtim would want to take Rachmanathan is on his parents, is on his family. So he has to make it Ke'ilu, they have no sheikhs to this, and if you'd ask them, they'd be shrugging their shoulders because they don't know what's going on, so don't blame, don't blame us. That plan is going to be executed very well because we don't find any concern they're going to attack his parents. And that happens in the underworld, in the mafia, that, that's the first thing that goes wrong. So Badafka, they didn't ask. And he didn't volunteer. That's an important thing to keep in mind. It's going to come up right away in the first intended argument with his uh, new kala. Uh, why don't you tell me the answer to the riddle? If you didn't learn this yet at all, there's going to be a riddle. And that's going to be his pischem peh, by the Shevrebrochus. And... He's going to uh, get married right away, bring into the plan on day one of the Shabbos. You know, they assign him these 30 guys that we learned about last week, you know, because it doesn't come with any friends, because he's trying to be a man alone. So they assign him 30 plishtim, and he's going to, at the Shabbos, what do you do to Shabbos? He needs some sort of uh, fun thing for Simchas Chas Nakalas. He says, I have a riddle. Anybody want to hear a riddle? He says, sure. Who doesn't like a riddle? He said, well, these are the rules. If you figure out the answer... I pay you a lot in cash and clothing. And if you don't figure out the answer, you pay me. That would be loves a little wager, unless you have to pay, and you lose. So he asked them something they really couldn't know in terms of the answer. Impossible? Chesha Mishpat will explain that it wasn't impossible because they didn't have um, carcasses of lions who looked like they were ripped apart by somebody sitting around the fields every day and every season. So they really were walking around and had their eyes about them. Somebody might have noticed that. And he's going to ask him a riddle about where he can get something sweet from something strong. And he's going to be alluding to this honey from the lion, which nobody knew about. And that nobody included his parents. So he didn't say it besides his anivas because nobody's supposed to know. And they didn't ask because they understood this point that whatever's going on, it's not healthy for them to know either. That's a big new sign for people. We hold the secret is something you can only tell your shrugger your shvigar if you're getting along with her, and maybe a first cousin or two, and two guys in the mikvah. Besides that, it's top secret. So, real top secret doesn't work that way, and Aznayim Lekaisel, and he's got to be tight-lipped, which he does very well, because he's a tzaddik, and he's very smart, and he knows his mission. But he's going to tell his new wife, as they start putting pressure, after a few days they're going to realize that they don't know the answer, and they're about to lose a lot of money. 
And they just start pressuring the wife in a big way to find out. She comes complaining. She starts crying. Says, you don't care about me. You don't even tell me. He says, don't tell you. He says, plus it's going to spell this out. I didn't even tell my parents. Now, if she was a London, she could have said, that's not a kasha. It's a kavachem. I'll can yazavish. You didn't tell your parents. That's between you and your parents. What does that do with me? Ishta kagufa. She wasn't such a London. She's not going to give that answer. But there's a lot to explain over here. Like, what was the, what was the havamina? But the wager was there so that they shouldn't get the answer and then they're not going to want to pay or force the answer out of her and be able to pick a fight and take Nakama, which will work very well. And they deserved it because they're a bunch of Risharim. She does not, she will not fare well in her process in this, uh, this whole thing because she's supposed to be the wife who is loyal to the husband. The point is, the first rem is over here that he's not telling his parents I think is, again, his anivas and the fact that he doesn't want to tell them is that I'm going to get them in trouble. And their understanding and wisdom is that they didn't even bother asking, which in life is part of hopping what's going on. Instead of complaining that somebody's not cluing you in and including you in the matzah, maybe you shouldn't be asking in the first place. And if that would utilize more, it would be a lot better for everybody. Yes? Right. Yeah. Yeah, so some said to make the bracha. The problem with your suggestion is if, he, if he's going to check that out, he doesn't get a very clear answer because he got honey, which is kosher, sitting in novella and non kosher animals, so maybe it was treif, and then there's a whole shaila in the pace game. Yeah, Okay, we don't know how much later, but it was there later, and it's... Uh, yeah, it's possible. And he took it as a good sign, a net gain. And he did walk away with the honey. So he held it with kasher v'yasher, and it was up again. You just have to explain why, and he goes on his own merry way. And Yes, yeah, that part, that part everybody points out, that he saw as a similar shamayim. Which riddle do you start with? One that sounds very tantalizing, but no one's going to figure out. That's why he uses it, so yes. Elamaisa held it with uh, an approval, Simon, not in the other direction, even though the unfortunate point out, it's a little bit frightening because, yes, that's what, I, that's what I'll be explaining every single shear, how difficult it was to stay on the line and not over the line. On that positive note, we were getting to the Messiah Sasharim about not going over the line, but we never got to it. So, Mitzvah